the Ostomy Nurse Project. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ostomy Nurse Project, the podcast that talks to you about the ins and outs of living with your insides on the outside. In this week's episode, we're going to be starting a series of interview episodes with all of the ostomy companies that provide products and accessories that you know and that you're familiar with if you're a person who lives with a stoma. Throughout the next 12 months, we will be showcasing all of the different ostomy companies that provide products here in Australia. And there's no set particular order as to when these episodes are going to come out or which companies come before other companies. It's a non-biased interview where we just get to know the, the history of the company and chat to some of the people who work behind the scenes to bring you the products that you guys use. Now, kicking off the very first of these interview episodes is the Eakin story, which if any of you use Eakin products, that's the purple and white over here in Australia, if you're not familiar. And they are distributed over here by the company Omnigon. And in this interview, I'm going to be talking to Jeremy Eakin and Mark Gilpin, who are the representatives who were in Australia at the time, releasing Eakin's newest product, the two-piece Eakin Dot Soft Convex. Now, I do apologise a little bit for the sound quality. The recording that we had was in a room that was a little bit echoey. The acoustics were a little bit high. So I've tried to edit it as much as I can to make it nice and clear and crisp for all of you to hear. So pop on your headphones or stick in your earbuds and tune in to this Ostomy Nurse episode where we're going to be talking all about Eakin. Welcome to the home of Eakin in Northern Ireland. Our story begins back in the 1970s with pharmacist Thomas George Eakin, my dad, the man who had a strong, singular desire to help people with a stoma. Back in 1974, things were very different. Ostomate skin irritation and leakage were constant problems faced by patients visiting my pharmacy. It was such problems, combined with the experience of having a close family member with a urostomy, that motivated me to design and make my own products and improve the quality of life of those with a stoma. Needing to experiment with difficult adhesive formulations, I modified this old Hobart mixer and so began the tedious journey. After four long years of development, my cohesive seal was finally ready to launch. It was a success and I could get some sleep. Since then, its popularity has continued to grow and it is available in multiple shapes and sizes in order to meet the needs of more users right across the world. Although I'm now semi-retired, I serve on the board of directors, ensuring that the company objectives are in the best interest of the patient. I also make time for a round of golf and my long-suffering wife, Nurse Pat, who for 56 years has made time for me.
So sitting here in our interview today, we have got two people from TG Ecom. We've got Mark Gilpin, who is the International Business Executive, and the co-owner and Managing Director, Jeremy Ekin. Welcome. Thank you very much, Leslie. Lovely to be here. Yes. Good to be here. We were just talking about the weather here in Australia today. It's fantastic. Did you just say, we've got a new promotion, let's pack up and go to Australia? (laughs) I would do it tomorrow, it's fantastic. Because it would be... Blue skies and sunshine. Yes, because it would be quite cold. Well, getting colder back home in Northern Ireland. I guess it's getting colder. I think we left. It was probably about four or five degrees centigrade. What's that? Fahrenheit. I don't know what it is in your money. Um, but definitely it's greyer, considerably greyer. Yes. Up. Hasn't got cold, cold yet. No. Whenever from October to March, the sky is just grey all the time. Yeah. So it's nice to come and see blue sky and a shiny yeah. thing in the middle of it called the sun. Yes. I had a fabulous joke planned um, for when I walked in but you were all sitting around a, a boardroom table I was going to say an Australian and two Irishmen walked into a boardroom and then I thought oh. what's the punchline well that was going to be answers my on a postcard yes yeah. except that during my investigations because naturally it's a professional courtesy that I stalk you both online and find out what I can I found out some really interesting things so Mark you actually speak French May we? You do. Say that. <laughs> yes, so I that am. could have been an even better joke because I could have said an Irishman and an Australian and a Frenchman walked into a boardroom and that could have been even better. Yeah. But I'll take what I get for today. So you, you do speak French, was I that? I do. Always. Um, uh, well, I was one of those sort of things whenever I was younger at school, I was kind of introduced to it. I kind of had a bit of a knack for it. And uh, so I kind of carried on. I went to university. I studied French at university. Uh, and then just before I joined Econ, I'd spent five years out in a French um, African country, well, Franco, a Francophone country in Africa. So I got a good chance to use it. Don't use it so much now. Don't need to, fortunately. Um, they send me to nice countries such as Australia and New Zealand, <laughs> where it's not required. But I do occasionally use it at the summer when I go on holiday to France but yeah there you go and Jeremy you're a dark horse I couldn't find any information on you <laughs> that's because I've done nothing with my life it's just I just stay in a dark closed room you must have some sort of strange talent you must have been not like that a, I'm going to tell you about no you're not a master baker or no anything like that no no no, I'm not giving away anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I was very uncomfortable during the conversation about speaking French because oh. I'm married to a French teacher. Right. And whenever I did my French, my last French exam in school, I got a grade U, which means it's not just a fail, but it's ungraded. <laughs> so, yeah, let's not talk about speaking French, please. Okay. All right. So you are currently here in Australia promoting the latest... Econ product uh, in Ostomy, which is the Econ dot two piece soft convex. And thinking back to it, it seems almost yesterday that the Econ dot was just being released, and now we're releasing again Mm -hmm. in the soft convex. How long has it taken to go from Econ dot in the flat? base plate to the soft convex? That's a good question. I don't know if there's an easy answer, but Econ Dot uh, was probably launched about a year ago, it was maybe? July, July last year. It was okay. 2017. Okay. Yes. okay, so, but the planning for all that's been going on in the background for sort of five years. Yeah. Um, so these, these things don't come quickly and easily. 
but you're kind of working on, there, there's elements of the product that are the same between flat and convex, so you're not necessarily starting from scratch. So it's it's not that we've started, you know, how long does it take to get a convex product? It's kind of constant evolution and chopping and changing and taking components and things like that. So it's, uh, I, it's, it's hard to say exactly if you think of that. Did it come about because you had 50,000 stoma nurses yelling at you saying, when are you going to bring out soft convex? No, a little bit. A little bit. No. Uh, it came about because we have really improved our approach and we're not just listening to stomach nurses, although they are a phenomenally important uh, part in the, the lives of an ostomate, but um, we are getting an awful lot closer to people who have a stomach and trying to really get to know them, understand their daily lives and figure out what is it that they face in terms of challenges and what needs do they have and trying to come up with solutions to those needs. So those needs identified, uh, those, their, their challenges identified a need for a soft convex pouch that wasn't necessarily a one piece. So it kind of comes from that. There's a lady walking down a street wearing an inflatable rubber ring <laughs> and there's no water anywhere to be found. She's passionate. She's committed. <laughs> I guess that's a reflective of the weather around here. Although I was going to say it's 35 degrees today, you'll still see people wearing pants and a sweatshirt today. Whereas it's, back it's, home, 35 degrees for you would be. I know you're talking about taking a day off. I'm talking about an inflatable rubber ring where there's no water for 20 miles around. What's all that about? I honestly could not tell you. Welcome to Australia. Yeah, thank you. So, listening to, look, having listened to the story of T.G. Eakin and how that all came about, it's a fabulous story. I love the story. Jeremy, can you explain why you decided to, well, both of you, there's, there's, there's two boys in the family, why you decided to go with the family business? Yeah, I can I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for my brother, but um, yeah, Dad started the family business in 1974, so I would have been seven years old then. And for the first 10 or 15 years of the business, right through my childhood and teenage years, Dad was working obviously incredibly hard to get this new venture off the ground. It wasn't easy. There were really difficult and challenging times. And when it's a family business, it's not just a nine to five thing for one person. It's a 24 seven thing for the entire family. Um, and we were all leading, living, living it and breathing it every day. And my own background was in developing international business. When it became clear that Dad's business was starting to progress and succeed, I felt that my exporting sort of knowledge um, and skill set, uh, with that I was able to add a new dimension to the business, which up to then was only supplying products in the UK, uh, the home market. So yeah, I joined Dad and started introducing products to other parts of the world, including Australia, where we are today. And despite the challenges of working with family members, which is not always easy, let me tell you, it, it's incredibly rewarding. It's, it's, it's really great to see the difference our products make to people's lives. So that's kind of why it was a little bit of fate why I came into business as well. But. Mark, as almost an honorary family member <laughs> to the Eakin family, what made you, because you've been in the business now for some time, yeah. what has made you passionate about ostomy and the Eakin business? Well, I've now been involved in the business for four years. Um, it was kind of my second career change. Um, so I've had sort of 15 years kind of working in one area and I've always felt with a career you've got to do something 
that you believe in, that, that kind of ticks the boxes, that kind of what makes you want to get out of bed on a, on a, on a, on a Monday morning. And I'd probably say in terms of, for me, is the fact that I've got a heart for people. I love the aspect of communicating, trying to get a message across, something that you believe in, something you're passionate about, something that you feel can change how people think about something or how they feel about something or indeed about their lives. And I'd also say as well, probably my personality is quite almost like a restorative personality in the sense that I'm always kind of looking at kind of what's wrong, how can it be fixed, and if it is fixed, how can I kind of keep it better and prevent anything else going wrong in the future? And all those kind of things all tie in, I think, with ostomy in terms of the nurse, I'm sure that whenever you're looking at patients, you're thinking, right, we've got a problem. How can I fix this? How can I resolve it? Right, we've got it fixed. Let's keep it fixed. Let's just, and, and I can see that and I kind of identify with that. So that's kind of what floats my boat in the ostomy. Um, and, and I think that it's, uh, it, it's, there's a great good you can do. And certainly with Eakin, the one thing I have to say, it's a very compassionate organisation. Okay, yes, of course, there's a business imperative as, as in any business, but I've sat in a number of meetings at times when the, 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 the end of the day, the overriding comment is, what are we doing for the customer? How can we make this better? It is all customer focused and trying to make the journey of the, 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 the pouch user just that much better. The way you describe it, I was going to say, you should have been a nurse. <laughs> you could have been a nurse. I should have been. I, just don't, I, think, I think I missed that chance, I think, in terms of all the training and, and the learning that would have been. career to you, number three. <laughs> um, speaking of the connection with nursing, sometimes in my career, I find it a little bit tricky to actually define to some people yeah. what I do for a living. And sometimes I have to keep mm -hmm. it very basic. And sometimes I can be a little bit more in-depth. Mm -hmm. How do you both describe what you do for a living. Depends yeah. on your audience, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose my simple answer as I answer that question openly, honestly, and depending on my state of inebriation, tactfully. <laughs> um, but look, bottom line is whether we have a stoma or not, we all go to the toilet. Okay, we all have to get rid of body waste somewhere or other. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be open and honest about it. It's not really a talked about thing. But why not? It's nothing to be ashamed of. So someone, when somebody asks me what do I do for a living, I tell them. And 99 times out of 100, people will have heard of an ostomy or they will reply that they know or they have a relative or they have a friend or they know a friend who has to wear a bag. So I'm not really telling them anything new. But hopefully by being upfront and being prepared to talk about it, I'm in some small way making it acceptable. To, to discuss those things. They're not taboos, they're, they're not stigmas, they shouldn't be. Um, so hopefully just by answering the question, honestly, what I do for a living, it's maybe just helping to, to bring the conversation out there for somebody somewhere. <laughs> I, I think for myself, it's always been fairly straightforward. If anybody asks me a straightforward question, I'll give them a straightforward answer. I think exactly as Jeremy said, what I was surprised about about the industry in terms of, even before I came in, I had heard of stomas, I'd heard of ostomy. But I was then surprised at actually how many other people have, have heard of it. And it's been interesting in terms of maybe just speaking with uh, taxi drivers or just other people who happen to ask where you're going, what you're doing, and you mention them, they go, oh yeah, I, you know, I've got also, I have all sorts of colitis, or, or I have, a, a, my, my grandfather has, a, has, a, has an ostomy. It's quite interesting. I mean, one thing actually struck me as quite interesting, I was coming recently into Australia and I had some commercial samples, which you do and you have to declare as you go through airports. And the guy said to me, right, do you have anything to declare? And I thought, well, 
um, you know, I'll, I'll explain to him kind of, I'll keep it, I'll kind of almost start from the end and work my way back to the beginning. And I was kind of explaining that I had certain medical samples and I was going to, he said, he just said, look, Mike, let me stop you there. What you're trying to tell me is you've got ostomy supplies. And I was like, yes. He, so he knew exactly what it was. And, and I, th I think there's a great understanding uh, in the community, much more so than what we realized. So I think it's quite an easy thing to, to talk about. And I think it's very important that we do. How do you do it? Well, I, I'm quite lucky because I can use really kitsch terms. Like I just say I'm the bag lady, mm -hmm. um, and then people still might stare at me a bit blankly. And I say that I, when I try and explain that, well, I'm a stable therapy nurse, I still get blank stares. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So again, it's the same thing. More often than not, it, like you said, once I explain what it is that, that I actually do, they go, "Oh yes, I know somebody that's yeah. like that," or, or yeah. "Oh yeah, yeah." And they, they sort of yeah. have this moment of realisation where they, yeah. they, they have that sort of epiphany that there's this whole world that exists out there yeah. outside of what they know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the, the patient, which is, of course, the, the reason that we do all of this or the individual, um, what are some of the ways that you yourselves reach out to people? How do you collect the information that you seek from these people? You're absolutely right. One of the things, and we were, we were talking together before you started this, this podcast, we, were prior, we prioritise getting close to people who have an osteomyostoma. How can we help them um, if we don't listen and don't understand what living with a stoma is? It's actually like really trying to, to get inside their, their heads and, and inside their eyes. So, so we're currently visiting Australia, and on this particular trip, uh, it's all about engaging with stoma therapy nurses. Um, I'm on Mark's here for an extended stay, but I'm only here for four days th this week. But in that time, I think I'll probably meet and get to talk to about a hundred soul therapy nurses. Those discussions will help us to learn what challenges they, you, and your and your patients are facing in terms of managing their ostomies and living their daily lives. Um, and we'll also try to get feedback on our own products and services, what we're doing that works, but also what we can do to, to really improve. But nothing really beats direct contact with the people living with the stoma. And there's several ways that we, we're going about achieving that. It's something we're really focusing on for the last four or five years. Uh, obviously, we attend patient open days and things like that. Um, increasingly, we engage on social media. Um, we participate in conferences. We have a team of our own uh, nurses um, who spend all day, every day, with people with ostomies in, in several countries. Uh, we actively recruit people of all ages, abilities, genders, nationalities who have a stoma uh, to participate in our research and development, we work with our research and development team um, and the development, they take part in that process and that really helps to ensure that our products and our services, increasingly the service part of it, is truly supporting the needs of the patient. Second part of your question, in terms of what is the information that we're looking from them, it's really just about understanding what it's like to live with a stoma. Uh, one of the challenges both of managing the ostomy itself and the impact on, on it has on normal daily living, uh, and that varies from person to person and from country to country. I was thinking of a couple examples. In Australia, you've got very, very hot summers compared to Ireland, obviously, uh, but with very high humidity. So how does that affect wearing a stoma pouch? You know, if we're designing and making pouches in Australia, we need to know what it's like to live in Darwin and have a, a, a bag, for example. Another example could be, and again, theme because we're in Australia, you've got the Melbourne Cup here next week, I think it is. How does wearing a stoma bag impact on your day out at the races? 
you know, I, I don't have a stoma. I would be worried about how am I going to wear a suit on a hot day. But if I had a, an ostomy underneath that suit, I would be thinking other things as I leave the door to, to get ready. So, you know, we need to really we need to really understand. So our aim and ambition is to help people to lead as normal a life as possible despite having a stoma. Really, a stoma should just be a much smaller part of a, of a bigger life. In my job, I'm lucky because I get to receive feedback um, from my patients almost instantaneously. You know, when they, when they're being discharged, I get feedback from them. You know, and, and even after discharge from hospital, we still remain in contact with them. So we get the really positive or negative feedback um, that shapes how they feel about their life with a stoma. Um, do you get the same feedback? I'd say absolutely yes, as a company we do. We receive messages, we receive emails, um, we receive sometimes the old fashioned route by sending handwritten letters. And typically every one of those messages will have a story about a journey that a, a, a customer um, has been on. And I think the most important bit uh, and the key feature that you find in it, it always is like a thank you in it. You've changed my life, you've done something different. But it's that element that they will actually say to us, you know, someone actually listened and actually created something that has worked for us. But, and I think you, you never tire of getting those letters or receiving those, letters, those messages because it, it gives you the, the energy and the impetus to carry on in the future. Is there a particular, is there any story or, or feedback that you were given that helped you to change your practice or, or was there a particular piece of feedback that really touched you, made you have really good feels about things? It's funny, we, we talked about this the other day and, and I'm not going to share the story of the thought of and Mark hope probably won't either, <laughs> because, but our initial reaction was to think of a couple of really quite sad and extreme cases where we couldn't help the person. Mm -hmm. So you're automatically thinking, oh, I wish I could have helped that person more. And that's, so rather than thinking of our success, you always think about the, the one that got away, but not a specific compliment, but the nicest um, bit of feedback I think I can get, and I, you, you get occasionally, is not necessarily, oh, that product helps you, that leak or your bag's great or something specific. But whenever I meet somebody, and then maybe I meet them again a year or two later, and if they say to me, oh, thanks, you listened. We've, we've done something in that interim time, either a new product that really uh, met their needs or a service or we've just taken on board their account and they've noticed it. And I think to me, that's the biggest compliment that I can get is, oh, thanks, you listened. Speaking of the times where you think about the negative situations where you weren't able to help yeah. somebody, that seems to be a very, almost a global thing, yeah. the challenges in stoma care, really. I mean, yeah. that's why we're all here and that's why these companies exist and the technology that, that goes into all these products. Um, and many people have this idea that stoma care is really challenging and that they're never going to be able to pick it up or it becomes this really negative part of their life. Mm -hmm. um, why do you think people believe that stoma care is so challenging? I think because it's not just about the stoma. And that's that's very often a trap that certainly a, man, a, a company producing products and services could fall into. And I dare say even the stoma therapy nurse, it's, it's a very visual, tangible thing, a stoma that's functioning away there. And we're very focused on catching what comes out of the stoma and making sure the skin around the stoma is, is 
good and protected. But, you know, as I said, the stoma is, is a small part of, of, of that whole person. They've got an awful lot going on. What's the reason for the stoma? What's behind it? What is their general state of health? What is going on in their life? Um, and how can we kind of help them to put it all in, in perspective? Is really important. So it's it's trying to just see the whole person and see the the stoma in relation to that whole person and, and keeping it in perspective and and helping that way. Um, and I think as well um, that, that it depends as well what the starting point as well is for the ostomate in terms of there's some who obviously will go for elective surgery and there's others who will have been involved in maybe some um, incident that they, they they wake up the next morning and. So, so they all, everybody starts from a different position and I guess um, there's a number of factors that they're trying to balance and manage. It could be anything as well from terms of the, the, the work situation, how are they going to look after the family, the mortgage, uh, and there's a lot of things. And I think as well maybe a lot of people might turn to the internet, but in some ways that's like trying to drink from a fire hydrant and it is to be approached with great caution um, because, I mean, for example, I know a number of ostomates and, and they're managing things are going well, but they would say that in the past or in the early days, when they went to the, web, the, the websites and went to the forums, people who were having a lot more problems than what they were, and they were maybe looking into it and thinking, is this going to happen to me? So uh, there's an element of that, I think, in it as well. Um, so I think it's important that people can almost go to kind of sites that are curated and are correctly tailored and appropriately tailored to help them along their journey, whatever point that starting point is. People shouldn't doctor Google. No. Never Dr. Dr. Google is a bad thing. <laughs> you have no idea how bad Dr. Google is. <laughs> oh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Many of my patients come in and say, I Googled this yeah. and I'm not happy. Yeah. I have to obviously reassure them yeah, that yeah, yeah. That's, that's one person's yeah. perspective. And that's the thing as yeah. well, I think. When you talk about um, the website, A Bigger Life, uh, stoma care, as you mentioned, should really just be a smaller part of the overall big picture and when uh, I think some people get really bogged down with the big picture mm -hmm. um, and so it's I guess as a company you need to when when creating stoma products you obviously want to keep them as simple as possible but as effective um, at fixing all the problems that come with stoma care mm -hmm. as they can be that can be a bit of a tricky balance sometimes mm -hmm. to put all this technology into something but at the same time reel it back in and keep it as simple for the person as it possibly can be so that's and that's something that I really admire yeah. sitting at this end that I think the companies do that really really well but there's another there's another element to the whole thing and that is yes you're absolutely right I fundamentally agree you've got enough if you if you wake up in a hospital with a brand new stoma you've got enough going on in your life without having to learn 10 or 12 different products. You want to keep it as straightforward and simple as possible. If you can find, for example, one pouch on its own that does the job, stick to it. Only start introducing bells, whistles, accessories, support uh, products as and when you've really got a need for them. But the other challenge that you've got, it depends from country to country, and that's the availability of those products to you, depending usually on how the products are funded. So there are some countries, for example, like Australia or the UK or countries in Europe, where the uh, people with stomach don't have to pay. They get their products free. But other countries like uh, the US, for example, where maybe they rely on insurance or maybe they have to pay the full amount. So you've got the cost sensitivity 
and the price of the product. But then in some countries, even like Australia, UK, where the government will agree to maybe pay for that product but not that accessory, how does, uh, how does someone manage their skin issues, for example, if they cannot get a seal or a paste or a wipe or a barrier or something like that? So it's, it's what's available to you as well as keeping it simple. It's, it's a challenge. Having listened to, obviously, again, the, the story of Egan and how Egan came about, the products that Egan have brought out, because obviously Egan's been around, what, 30, 40, 40, 40 years? Being that Egan has been around, yeah. really, as long as some of the very first ostomy yeah. companies, how have your products changed over the years, or have they changed? The very first product that my father developed is still our largest selling product, Eakin Cohesive Seals. Cohesive Seals. Yeah, which is a small little adhesive ring which is great for the skin and great at preventing leaks. And it's, it, to be honest, it's still as relevant today for many, many years, in fact decades, it was the only moldable ostomy seal available. In the last especially 10 years there are 10, maybe 12 uh, other seal brands of seals available. And ours is still, that leading seal is still highly regarded. It's punching kind of way above its weight. It's, it's really stood the test of time. So in terms of how have products changed over the years, some of them haven't and don't need to necessarily. Others have changed dramatically. I mean, whenever Dad started the business in the 1970s, one of the reasons he started it was because people were changing from old bags made of rubber that you didn't throw away. You With took them off. Glue. Yeah. You glued them to the skin, exactly, and you, you washed them out, you emptied them, washed them out, and reused them. Now the bags are all kind of plastic, disposable, lightweight with built-in adhesives, filters and clips and Velcro and all kinds of nice things. So they, they have really, really changed. Where they're going to be in 20 years' time or another 40 years' time, I've, I've no idea. Will Stoma still, still exist? Who knows? But um, we will certainly still keep working away and plugging away and talking to people that have the conditions to make sure that we hopefully will be able to provide whatever they need. Mark, do you have a favourite Egan product of all time? Ooh, that's a tricky one. I think, like Jeremy, in terms of I'm completely in awe of what the Egan Seal can do. What I love, every country I visit and every nurse that I speak to, um, the praise is effusive for the Egan Seal, just in terms of the what's done for the, the patient's life and also what's done in terms of the nurse knowing that a job has been done well and to a large extent that they can go off knowing that for a period of time everything will be settled unless something significantly comes up. But I am quite excited about kind of the, the new research and development and everything that's been going on at Egan. Specifically at the moment where certainly one of the reasons why I'm here um, in Australia at the moment is the, the launch of the, the two-piece um, convex um, product. Um, so that's quite exciting, it's quite revolutionary. I think we've got a, a number of really nice features in it that will make a difference. Um, so I'm kind of torn, I like the old, but I'm really excited about where we're going. Yeah, you get the sentimentality of the yeah. of the Econ Seals, but there's a real buzz and vibe yeah. of creating this whole new product range called Econ Dot. Yeah, and that's there's a real real buzz, not yeah. just internally as we know what's yeah. coming, but in the little bits that we've managed to to show to yeah. some of therapy nurses and, and ostomates alike. Yeah, it's 
it's created a bit of a wow factor, it, which it, is nice. It definitely has, and certainly from my point of view, in terms of you get quite buoyed whenever you know the stuff is working well, products are working nicely, and they're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, and you also see the excitement as well um, in nurses' faces whenever there's something new, something different, um, and it definitely makes my job enjoyable. And at the end of the day, you know that something good is coming from it. You know, it's not just a widget for the sake of a widget. It actually is. It's, it's something much more fundamental and profound, I find. But I tend to look at things a little more philosophically than many, but um, definitely it gives me a great uh, sense of, of doing something useful. Do you have a favourite, Jim? Now, don't shoot yourself in the foot here, because if you say you've got a favourite... <laughs> we might hold them. I love all my children equally. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's my answer. Is, is, there, is there a particular product that stands I, out for you? For whatever There's reason? really not, because... I suppose I, I put it down to product ranges, and if I think there's a huge amount of... Look, Eakin Seals have been my life, literally. So that, that's a huge part of it. Um, Eakin Wound Pouches bring back stories of exactly why they were created and the, and the, the situation I lived in in Northern Ireland with conflict, and, and there's a whole story behind why those pouches were created, so there's a degree of sentiment with that. But then also I'm really buoyed up about Econ Dot, which is the you know the whole new range and, and the future as we see it. So no, I, I do, as I say, I love all my babies equally. <laughs> Remind me, I'm sure you've mentioned it before uh, in the past. Where did the dot come from? Why is it dot? There has to be a reason. Well, well did, somebody, reason, did yeah. somebody sitting in an office in Northern well, Ireland get... It's a very simple, okay, if you, if you think very practically, it's a very simple three-letter word that's easily translatable if you need, but doesn't need to be translated. But fundamentally, what is a stoma? So is it centred around the stoma? A, a stoma, an, an ostomy, is literally a dot on the landscape of, of life. It's not, you should not be all consumed by your stoma. We should be able to help you create the conditions to manage your stoma that you can lead as normal a life as possible. That's our ambition. Um, the stoma should be a small part of a bigger life. We've, you've heard us say that before. But yeah, think of it as a the landscape of life. Your stoma should just be a dot. Stoma? That, no. A oh. small dot on the body and a small dot as part of a much bigger life. I'm sure if my dear marketing colleagues ever hear this in the broadcast, they'll bang their heads off of what they Jeremy, that's the wrong answer. Dot means this, but yeah. Um, Apologies was... to my colleagues. I'm sure they'll forgive you. Yeah, I hope so. You'll have to make sure they listen. Yeah. You were saying before about you, you don't know what the future holds for stomas, where the stomas will even be around. What is your vision for the future of Eakin? Where do you see it going? What do you hope to achieve? I think we've done pretty well so far. The feedback that we get, and, the, and the, um, you were talking about feedback earlier, has been really positive. I just want to keep getting better at doing that. Um, you know, you do still hear horror stories of people who have an ostomy and they don't leave the house. They, they are, their lives are dominated and controlled by their, their stoma. Um, maybe they suffer from constant leakage or they, fear of, they have a fear of smell or odour or something like that. And in this day and age, that's, that's just unacceptable. So, yeah, the ambition is really to, to just get to everybody if possible to create products, services, support, whatever that might be, 
who knows, will we be making bags in the future or will we be making apps or, I don't know, whatever technology will bring us, but just something that provides absolute support so that people can just go out their front door and lead a life with confidence despite having a stoma. That's, that's my ambition. Anything to add to that, Mark? I think Jeremy summarised that pretty well. I think it is um, but it's an exciting time to be with the company. Um, I think I know that um, we've got great hopes for the, the, the future and in terms of what exactly the sentiment internally, what I said, it's a compassionate company. It's a company that really wants to change lives and, and to make the, that landscape just so much smoother because we and many other manufacturers, we can offer the solution that, that can improve. And uh, those lives. So, um, yeah, long may we continue to be able to do that. Fabulous. Um, now, I was going to bug you with some on the spot questions, but I'll forgive you because I still haven't found anything in, <laughs> that I can. I was, I was, you did warn us you were going to do quick fire, and I was just hoping you weren't going to say pizza or curry because it would have to be both. Oh, yes. In Australia, though, still both. <laughs> I'm a foodie. <laughs> what can I say? I did see. There you go. I was looking for some evidence that you would have been on the Great British Bake Off or something like that. <laughs> I'll find I something. I didn't know I was so hidden. <laughs> Next I time you come, I have social over. media. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but yeah, yeah. we'll find something. Yeah, yeah. No worries. Oh dear, Jeremy Eakin and Mark Gilpin from Eakin. Thank you for allowing me to interview you and thank you for coming all the way over to Australia to uh, promote the launch of the new Eakin.soft Convex and we hope to hear from you again in the future. Thank Absolute you. Absolute pleasure and keep up the good work. Thank, yep. you. thank you. Well guys, that concludes the interview today for the Austrian Nurse Project where we interviewed Jeremy and Mark from Eakin all the way over from Northern Ireland here in Australia where they were releasing and promoting the new Eakin.soft convex two-piece system. I'd like to thank a few people for allowing me to uh, present this podcast to you guys. Uh, thank you very much to Sarah and Elise from Omnigon for uh, the use of the venue so that I could record the interview. And thank you again to Jeremy Eakin and Mark Gilpin from TG Eakin for allowing me the time to interview them and quiz them on all the things that you heard about today. I also like to thank Eakin for the use of their sound clip at the start of this podcast. That is actually taken from their online video about the Eakin story, which you can actually find on YouTube if you look up the TG Eakin story or about us or history. You can find their webpage at www.eakin.eu.ea. K-I-N for Eakin if you want to have a look at their website. So join us next time, guys, on another episode of the Oztomunos Project coming to you from down under, just like where your stoma is. See you next time.